Hello and welcome to Before the Valley, the podcast where we discuss, test and learn from the choices and self-development methods of modern day heroes such as Elon Musk and Warren Buffett. We also dive into different business concepts and their application from the standpoint of two inexperienced yet hopeful entrepreneurs. Enjoy listening. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Three, two, one. Hello and welcome to Before the Valley. Hello, Nikolai. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Hello. How about you? I'm not bad. It it seems like it's been a long time since we last uh, done this. So it is like I think it's been around two months. Last time we recorded, yeah, it was. I went back to Bulgaria. Yeah, it was like one month ago. So it was around two months. Yeah, yeah. So why did we delay it so much? Um. So we recorded an episode which is not yet out, but eventually it will be with like it's a special episode. I'm not gonna review more. So. Stay yeah. tuned for it. But there are some technical issues around it which stopped us from editing it, which is why we said, okay, let's move on and record another episode until we fix out the other one. Yeah, exactly. And I would also add to this that there's been a lot going on in both of our lives, uh, especially with uh, the businesses that we're dealing with. And we kind of deprioritized this, but we thought, oh, now it's probably the best time to get back to it and also update you i guess on what we've been doing but also yeah. uh yeah. just have a good time talking yeah. yeah cool and the giveaway from last time yeah that's the special part of the every single episode yeah so from the giveaway that we're running every single time as you know we had only two participants and these participants are people that you know have been following us for some time or like koyan close brand of ours and what we decided is yes we decided to give two books instead of one yeah and give one to each of them yeah yeah so stefan and coco congrats congrats guys so as you can see commenting on the videos leads to a very high chance of you getting a free book and who doesn't like free books i mean i won one recently from explora the company they work with we had a an Among Us tournament, you know, yeah, cringy, but who won? Me. Like, I, I have never played Among the Us best liar, The best liar, the <laughs> yeah. best liar, the best liar. What can I say? Yeah, I was the imposter so many times, so I was able to stack the points and then, oh, who won? Yeah. 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 Rashi, I was called Rashi, so because of uh, Rashford, who scored a hat trick. <laughs> but yes, so we're giving away two books and yeah. we have another giveaway for this episode, so for next time, which is going to be Something that we're going to launch, like we're going to release it uh, in the next two weeks. It's not going to be with another delay. And the question is, or what you have to comment, is who is your role model or somebody who you really aspire admire. of? Yeah, who you admire. It could be, you know, for example, who's yours? Oh, Elon. That's yeah, the first that, one. This, this is the one I thought yeah. of. Like, not, for example, for, my, for me right now, it's like, it has been for a while Tim Ferriss, a yeah. person that I really try to learn the more that I came from. So who is this person and why? I mean, it could be various reasons. And we're really curious to see what what you have to say. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you can also tell us why he's, the, he's your role model. Just like a yeah. short paragraph or even a sentence of yeah. why you admire him so much or her. Um, and yeah, we can start with the first point for today. Yeah, cool. Should I, should I go first? Yeah, go ahead. All right, so... As we discussed last time, last uh, Saturday, I think it was, every single week, 
when we meet, we are going to discuss something that we've learned. We thought that this could be from books. It, mm-hmm. We thought it could be from podcasts or from like anywhere else. So what's that one thing that you have learned and you would like to share? Well, one thing would be, well, there are a few things, but I think we can leave the second thing for later, which is related to the energy levels throughout the day that I told you about. But something else I learned uh, recently, and it's from Jocko Willing's Extreme Ownership book, uh, is uh, decentra- Decentralized Command and how um, the SEAL teams manage their teams, basically, when they're on missions. It was very interesting because they go through a special training where uh, each of them is trained to lead. So you don't have just one leader of a team, but everyone is prepared to take command if it's necessary. And also what's really interesting is the size of the teams. Usually the the size of the teams is up to six people. So it's four to six. And why that's also interesting is because the my corporate job, the company I work for, when I started working for them, they said the same thing. We found out that six people, managing a team of six people, is the best for our company. So there actually is something to it, it seems, uh, depending on the manager's experience and, um, well, I guess he's, what he learned during the, the, the courses that we have. Yeah. They, would put, they would assign different uh, uh, number of people to them. And uh, six seems to be the optimal option. Uh, so Joko Winning was explaining how he worked with this uh, bank. Um, I'm not sure if it was a bank, but I'm, it was either an investment company or a bank. So they had a few branches across the US. He was saying their president was very smart guy. He was very good at you know managing people. But what he didn't realize is that some of his branches had managers of 20, 21 people. I see. While other had managers of just two people. And he asked him, okay, like, what, what do you think about this? And, and he was like, yeah, I think that's very rational because some branches have more clients and the managers there are more experienced. That's what, why we have so many people, while other where you have like junior managers, we just have two. But then Jock Willing asked him, so have you, what has, you, has been the experience once the branches grow? Do you notice the same exponential growth that you initially right. see in these branches? With a small it's, team. Yeah, exactly. And the, the guy said, actually, no, actually, we see this stopping at a certain point. So that's when Jock Willing explained this whole story of him having managing two people in each of these people in his team, in his SEALs team, managing six uh, and how successful that is. He has multiple stories in the book. But yeah, that's just, a, I guess, an example of how managing two big teams can lead to you know stopping growth and then you have to reconsider that so i found it yeah i found it quite interesting because you put the responsibility the accountability on each individual um, and try to split them as much as you can and each of them can manage the chaos on their own terms so let's say on the battlefield if you have someone staying in the um staying stationary far from the team trying to tell you exactly what to do micromanaging then you would obviously have uh, he wouldn't be able to to do this he would he would fail so that's why you put the responsibility on each individual person it's the same in my company and i think that's the best way to um i guess operate just everyone having their own responsibility responsibility making their own choices yeah all right that's an interesting point because i think that's just different types of management of companies because mm-hmm. like originally the bureaucracy of having a leader then to have uh, middle managers below and then to have subordinates could like fully follow the orders 
but if you think about it if you have everybody to have his own responsibility there's a chance for this person to have some improvements to you know to feel that what he's doing belongs to him he has like this extreme ownership as the book is called yeah so they might push for additional results extra results because they know that it all depends on on him or her yeah so therefore like this is where i see that the exponential growth could come from yeah and on the other hand like also the idea of that you are trained as a leader and those above you yes they can save you if stuff uh, like get tough mm-hmm. but you are the one who bears the responsibility first of all so yeah. you have to somehow you know if let's say you're in a corporation your campaign let's say in your case starts going down it's performed very bad who's responsible for taking control of it it's not your manager yeah. it's you first of all yeah exactly so therefore like you are going to react faster you're going to think okay how can i solve this before waiting for somebody else to come in and save you yeah exactly and two lessons from uh this book that i want to add up upon this is well the problem with this what the president of this bank brought up to jock willing during yeah. their training was that um sometimes complicated decisions like complex information might be lost it's the same as you know the game where you whisper into each other's ears and at the end you get out a completely different message yeah so that's what was his point like if we have too many levels then the until the information reaches the bottom level it would be distorted but the what jock willing answer to that is to uh, one more principle from the book which is simplicity when you're uh explaining people what your mission is why you're doing a certain thing it has to be as simple as you can and that's how the seals operate the army operates they're trying to make it as simple as possible and another thing that he brought up very important is the front line the people at a bo- at the bottom they need to understand why they're doing the thing yeah so if they understand why the reason for the whole mission yeah. then it, they can make the right decision because even if they change their approach it would still be towards the same goal so two things is simplicity and people understanding the why of of the mission uh, that complement this management style which is the decentralized uh, command yeah yeah i love that like especially the simplicity point and like the other one is also crucial but the simplicity one is that what you can do is as a manager you can have this piece of information send it to the people below you or like your colleagues and expect from them to understand what your point is yeah. and if they don't it's your fault like yeah. it wasn't presented in a simple way which could lead to what you wanted to so therefore simplicity is keeping and like the other one is that the people below they need to know their end goal mm-hmm. this is from facebook once again referring to this that they had this one kpi that they wanted to follow yeah and everything around this company was guided by this one kpi yeah. which was was it retention or more more users I don't remember. It's probably time spent on the I'm not sure it might have been retention, yeah. yeah. But like whatever it is it could be like retention of users or time spent. Yeah. So if it time spent what you're going to do you're going to have those triggers around the platform to increase the time spent. Exactly. But it's like everybody is done with this one main goal which everybody has in mind. Yeah. I love that. And just to briefly touch on who's Jock Willing like because I Yeah, Jock Willing he used Willing. to be I think yeah, I I'm not sure he might have what his level was but i think it might have been a lieutenant in in the uh us seals uh depart department yeah um so he has his own podcast we can link that up as well yeah where he uh invites top performers to discuss stuff so it's he's very 
he has a lot of experience in very extreme situations. So that's why he, he's a good example, I think. Uh, and also something funny, like the way on the simplicity point, how he described it to his um, to the front line. Yeah. yeah. It was basically he before a mission, he would just like get them all in a room and he would just say, make sure you shoot at the bad guys. For example, if it's a hostage rescue mission, that's the only thing he would he would say make sure you hit the bad guys that's the only thing because that's the focus of the mission yeah. not don't kill the hostage um like he would have said it make sure yeah sure make sure yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. uh so yeah that's uh that's that's something i i kind of learned and kind of was impacted by this week um but yeah, okay, cool. I think we can uh, go to the second point. And uh, something I wanted to ask you is because I, I, I know you started journaling recently. I just wanted to learn more about your experience with journaling and how, how, how are you finding this and what have you learned? Cool. So yeah, like I shared with Peter today that I journaled for the first time and I've been thinking about it for a long time. I think it was last year when I first, it was Eric Schmidt, the, he was CEO of Google, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, who said that every single week he just dedicates one or two hours of the day uh, during the week and most usually because it's when it's not that crazy busy mm-hmm. he just sits down and thinks and he journals he thinks okay what did I do this week or where am I going where am I heading and it just gives you this moment of peacefulness that mm-hmm. you can really think of what's going on and now I remember that Naval or Vikant, he's also speaking about it. Sometimes he goes outside and thinks, like thinking and thinking and thinking of about himself. And my experience with journaling was very, very good. The first thing that I said to Peter was great experience because, you know, I just sit down and I was writing stuff, thinking about them, then stop writing, thinking about something else about my life, what direction I'm going. And it gives you a bit more clarity. Mm-hmm. You see where you are, your state of mind and what you want to focus on but it, it's like a snapshot of your yeah it was a snapshot of like it was my first time doing it so it covered a bit of a bigger period of time so i had to go back to my uh, goals and what i'm doing but i assume if you do this every single week you can focus on your week like what did i do like anything that really stood out for example you had an argument with somebody what mm-hmm. happened you felt very bad during this argument and it just gives you a lot of clarity that's i think the main thing and after my journaling today, I was like, okay, I need to do this. Like, these are my next steps. I need to really focus on doing X, Y, Z, and this is how I'm going to achieve it. And it was just a very good experience. But yeah. Yeah, I, was, I wanted to ask, would you say you felt more motivated after after doing it? Yes, because like sometimes, um, especially now when we're doing so many stuff, um, you know, yeah. working on um, Kaleo podcast, uh, Explorer, my job which is like six hours now but it's not for anymore it's like so many stuff and mm-hmm. you get lost sometimes i'm like shit like i have to do much more stuff and don't have the time i'm panicking i'm like feeling the sense of urgency and then you stop and you see the clear line of where things are going and yeah just you, you see the end goal i would say so it's something that motivates you yeah exactly i asked because i remember this nietzsche quote i might misquote him but the idea was your why, um, if your why is big enough, it can overcome any how. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, very so, good and the thing is, when you get involved into the chaos, the everyday, day to day chaos, you often forget why you're doing stuff. And I think that's very important to have, uh, to think on, on your direction. Yeah. 
where where you're going and just kind of visualize it, which motivates you to do more. And we've talked about visualization and how I think Jim Carrey was just like driving uh, in rich neighborhoods, just seeing the houses and imagining that it's his house. And this was driving him. This was pushing him to, yeah. to, to do more. He was very good with visualization. So it's it's I think part of journaling is exactly that. Like seeing where you are and where you could be if you continue doing these things. And then that kind of charges you. So I think that's a great benefit of journaling uh, on top of mental clarity as you brought up. Yeah. And also like um, because we often forget what we have. Like it sounds cringy, I think. But, you know, the, there is like this five minute journal of Tim Ferriss mm -hmm. that he's what are you grateful for? Yeah. So, you know, you have everything that's happening. You're not, you might not be having the great success now, but look what you have and yeah. you appreciate it. You're like, oh yeah, damn, I like this, everything that I've had. And we brought this up in the, like, uh, in the podcast that we recorded, the amazing uh, things jar that yeah, whenever yeah. you achieve something good, you put it in this jar and this is kind of like, okay, I'm grateful for all, all these achievements. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm feeling happy. I'm not as... I don't know, like depressed, disappointed by a failure of the day. And yeah, like in the long term, this gratitude, I think is something that really can push you even to achieve more. Yeah, I I completely agree. Yeah, it's it's also I find I find that when I start thinking about stuff like this, you, know, you always go back to stuff that you're uh, missing on unintentionally, like family, for example. Every time I start yeah. thinking, I start thinking about my family and then I call them just to exactly. hear how they're doing or um, you just remember, oh, I have to buy plane tickets, for example, stuff like that, which you would otherwise miss. Yeah, exactly. So I think reflection is very important and journaling helps you reflect on those things. It's, I would say it's similar to meditation uh, in a sense that you kind of see everything objectively and not from your subjective perception of, oh, okay, I have to complete this task or this task or this task. Kind of zoom out, which the Stoics do. The Stoics are very good at zooming out and seeing where you stand into the world and I think journaling helps with that, yeah. Yeah, I think like, how how do you think meditations and journaling um, are similar? Because I see meditations as something that can put you in the present. Because when you're meditating, the main idea, which is mm -hmm. very hard, is just to avoid those distractions and um, not avoid them, but just to accept them that they pass and you focus on yourself now. You breathe in um, or different types of meditations, but you just focus on the present. Well, journaling is also focusing on the present, but stopping from um, the crazy life and thinking of what you have now, like realizing what you have. While the other one is just zooming out and um, not zooming out, but like isolating yourself and just, you know, being by yourself, realizing that you're present. Yeah, so I can I can explain how they are linked in, in, in my head. So would you say when you're journaling and when you're, thinking about your life, would you think, would you say you think about it, you're seeing yourself from a third person perspective? Uh, yes and no, because it's, um, it just, this, this is my life, like this whole circle. Journaling is like um, being in the middle and rotating to see everything right. that I have, because otherwise what, what it would have been is if I've jumped out of the bed, have breakfast, then come to your place and start like working, it will be just this aspect of it. Yeah. Then you have family, you have this uh, and this and this. Wow, this is what journaling provided me with. Okay, I see. So for me, it's kind of, I see, I try to see myself from a third person perspective. So as I said, what the Stoics would do is just zoom out yeah. and kind of 
even like literally imagine you're zooming out of your uh, of your body and seeing yourself in this building and and then thinking about okay what would you make this person do to move forward you know yeah so that's how I see it so in my head that's kind of disattaching myself from the ego and it's very similar like the way I feel uh, while doing this is very similar to the way I feel when I meditate because with meditation I also kind of um, disattach myself from the ego the same yeah. way. Uh, so that, that's how I see the link between the two, uh, I would say. And it, in this particular aspect of, of the two, yeah. Yeah, I mean, both have similar effect in a way, uh, which is helping you to see things differently. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's and it, a, it clears your mind as well, I'd say. Yeah, that, yeah, exactly. Because if you remember, that's a, a point from a book which I did not finish because it was so complicated. Um what was like doing things about the um, uh, RAM um, memory that you have? Do you remember? It was a book about the fact that you have how the brain works is that if you have a, something you have to do mm-hmm. and you don't know what the next step is. Is it thinking fast and slow? No, it's not this one. Okay. I don't remember. Well, we, anyway. we can link it afterwards. Yeah. But the main idea of the book, which I opened, I started reading it. I was like, nope <laughs> this is too complicated but there was one point which i remembered which was that every single time you have to know the next steps or have this clarity because otherwise you're gonna get you know um you're overheating because yeah, yeah, you're yeah. just thinking and thinking and nothing comes out of your actions and when you journal you get those next steps it's like the clarity and this clarity frees up your mind for action and to do more stuff exactly it's the same as uh Tim Ferriss and the productivity coach he had on his podcast, uh, the guy was saying, your brain is not a place to store all your tasks and what you have to do. Yeah. Just because it's, it, it sees its temporal perception is very wrong because it always sees stuff as urgent because that's how we evolved. Like usually before the stuff that you had to do were immediate things you had to do. Yeah, like well, the, exactly. The... Well, now we plan. It's The world is much more complicated. We have a lot more to do as well in terms of like tasks. Yeah. and, and it, their complexity so what he was saying is just put them down write them down somewhere so that's how you clear your your mind from them because you know okay i have to do this on this day and that's how you clear your mind and you lose anxiety in this way yeah yeah and yeah as you said you find direction as well yeah yeah anxiety a point from naval imagine how productive you would be if you were not anxious all the time yeah that's true and also how much stuff that you would otherwise not do Miss. you would do yeah 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 and like why it's fear actually, that's fear yeah yeah and we're driven by fear like we can be we are, you know we're, we're very driven good by avoiding fear yeah like, exactly that's why jordan peterson was saying define your hell because if you define your hell instead of putting your anxiety in front of you you're putting it behind you it pushes you because let's say you're scared of public speaking i always use the public speaking example but let's say you're scared of public speaking come on no use another one okay let's say you're um you're scared of speaking with girls let's say Okay. Then you think about it. What's going to happen if I don't flirt with girls? If I don't try to approach girls? What's, what's going to happen? I probably won't End be able to build single. a family. Yeah. End up single. Die alone. Live a miserable life. So what do you do? You kind of define this. You specify it. You put it on paper. And then every time you're thinking about talking to a girl, you feel anxious. But you feel more anxious about not talking to girls just because you know what's going to happen if you don't talk to girls. Yeah, the- so the fear of ending up alone is much bigger than the fear of talking with girls yeah i love so that pushes you uh, yeah. instead of blocking you yeah, something that i did today with the journal 
because you know that one of my goals now is to expand my network. And I've realized that I've been doing it for quite a time, like reaching out to people, mm-hmm. meeting with them very successfully. And the first conversation goes very smoothly most yeah. of the time, not yeah. all the time. But afterwards, I don't do anything because I'm scared of pushing those people and them seeing, perceiving me as annoying. Wow. If I don't do anything and reach out to them, let's mm-hmm. say to ask for an opportunity or to just, you know, explore a bit more. I miss even more. Like yeah. I don't yeah. win. It's like a lose situation for me. So why not try and risk yeah in order to avoid the bigger fear which is in your case what you said don't not have a family in my yeah. case unsuccessfully whatever it is it's the same with salesmen it's the same yeah sales. exactly exactly when you call you're always like oh i'm bothering these people and whatever how i try to tackle this by the way is just because i did this sales course yeah i think it's also helpful once you have the information knowledge from an external source from someone experienced as in the case with the, the sales course, you kind of start thinking of what would this guy do and what was his advice. Yeah. So for example, building rapport is like mirroring the other person. So I start thinking about what's their first sentence. If they're speaking very slow and phlegmatic, I would do the same. So instead of focusing on, oh, I'm bothering them, I start thinking, okay, how can I do this the best way possible? So if some, someone like uh, more direct, I guess, I would be very direct with them, very straight, so yeah, I, I, this helps me just thinking on uh, this external knowledge and what would this person do in this situation. Do you know that mirroring is from the book? Uh, yeah, never, the, never split the difference. Yeah. yeah. And do you know what the reason for mirroring being useful is? It's because when you mirror somebody, he feels safe because he's seeing somebody who's similar to him. So if you start oh, and right. what mirroring according to Chris Voss is like, because yours is like more of imita- like trying to completely be like them which is good but what he said is that use the last three words of everything that uh, the other person is saying and by doing so repeating the same phrases like words that are like something that i relate myself to i let's say i use very often the word um, i don't know problematically and i say it when we speak uh, with you and you're gonna use it i'm gonna be like oh this guy's like me so i'm gonna trust him more and this is how with mirroring using the last three words of a phrase not all the time like not repeating it every single time it's gonna be like wait i just said it no no need to repeat it you just blocked it repeating decreases, the same thing. Yeah, it decreases the feeling of safety which is one of the basic needs of people the other one is control but by increasing this you know feeling of safety you have more impact but would you use it at the end of this like if for example using the come on say something let's say you're trying to buy to sell sell me something to sell you something, or am I the one that said that you have to it, sell it to? It doesn't matter. Okay, so let's say I'm talking about, hello, man, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? Not too bad. Uh, today I cleaned my car. Oh, you cleaned your car? Yeah, that's what I was asking. Yeah, I see what you mean. So like, it's kind of like, um, it's not it, it's not a question as well, but it's like, clean your car, and yeah. you leave the other part is silence, and also when you mirror, it, now you're going to tell me more about it. So I gather more information and I use this information against you afterwards. But that it's, is it against me or is it for me? Because this, I think this is also another thing that you have to do. You don't use it against the person. You use it for their benefit as well. Yeah, I mean, it's against you because I'm trying to win, right? And yes, but this is, I think, yes, I think this is very, it's very important to not see it as a win for yourself, but a win for both parties. That, that's how you um, defeat anxiety in a different yeah. way. 
it even like helps you push if you, if you see it as win for both of them. Mm-hmm. So I would use these techniques just to make their life and my life better. Yeah, if you this is what I mean. you try to sell them. And eventually, if you understand their perception and how things work, they're going to feel safe and in mm-hmm. control and they're making the decision by themselves. And of course, you're not going to mislead them by selling them a course for $7,000. I might, I might. <laughs> which is a scam. Like, this is not going to work well. And um, yeah, the whole idea is that you understand more of what they want to do. And sometimes they might realize that they need your product by mirroring. Because let's say um, you meet your boss. He says, I want you to copy 5,000 uh, copies for me. You're going to mm-hmm. see 5,000 copies. It makes you think about it. No, I need one. Okay. So it's yeah. kind of like it makes you the, your counterpart act in your favor as well. Yeah, that makes sense. That it's makes a sense. it's a very good strategy. Like this book is full of. You're kind of incentivizing the other person to think on what they're saying as well. Yeah. Uh, and how and actively engaging with how the product can h- help them, for example, or if their problem is an actual problem that stops you from selling the problem. Because very often you would have people having objections, then you would repeat the objection the person starts thinking oh wait for example very often people say i'm not interested and I, you, you now think about it you can say oh you're not interested you start thinking and then you ask why yeah and then they might explain why exactly yeah, yeah I, like something we're going a lot on the tangent stuff yeah, but, I think that's fine. but yeah. like amazing thing is that when people say no they don't do it because they have a rational objection to yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. They're saying because they want control. No, I don't want this. I'm the one who is bossing this. I'm the one who's deciding what I want. So no, I don't want your product or service or whatever it is. And Chris says, this is the start of the conversation. Like when you hear no, it's not the end. It's like yeah. the start yeah. because yeah. then, oh, he, he uses stuff like, oh, it seems that um, you are not um, clear what the idea is. Yeah. And then, oh yeah, I'm not clear. What was the idea? And boom, at like, you can potentially go to a sale. Exactly. That's the same thing that uh, in my sales course, I can link that as well. They were saying an objection is the thing that you want. That's what you should be looking for. Yeah. Because an objection, basically the other person tells you why they're declining. While if they just say no, let's say you don't ask, you don't engage, then you don't know why they're declining. So you you cannot tackle it. Yeah. So, so for example, people often say, I'm not interested. And then I would ask why and they wouldn't tell me why. Uh, so that's that makes it very hard because you don't know the reason for their uh, declining. Yeah. Yeah, but like in in our case, when you phone somebody, it's like easier to hang up. So it's different. It's when very it's different. Speaking. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If you're face to face, it's much more. It's much easier. First of all, to build rapport. Once you enter and once you build rapport, for me, it's like very easy to get what I want in. Unless there's something external, like oh, we're closing tomorrow. That's when you can't do anything. But yeah. if there's an objection. It's very easy to handle the objection if you have the right answer, which we do most of the case, most of the times, uh, just because you've already built the report and yeah. you know what the objection is, yeah. But if you're on the phone, like as I said, very often people would decline straight away. They would, some of them would just hang hang up. And yeah, they, they don't yeah. even listen. Exactly, because sure. like, it's not they don't see you. They just hear a voice. It's, it's just, another guy trying to sell them something. Yeah, it's harder and it happens very often. Yeah, it's cool. Much difficult. Uh, one more question or. I wanted to share something, okay. which I think uh, yesterday I was feeling very bad. <laughs> I, w- I was gonna Why? go Why? to sleep. Why? I, I, I don't know. It was not my day. It was yeah, not let's my say day. let's say it's, well, it wasn't your day <laughs> yeah. because of the day before. But yeah. I think it was not your day either. No, no, it was so about it. There no, could no. be something which happened together. But uh, I was gonna go to sleep, but then I said no. I'm gonna read a book for a bit, 
and it was I bought this book, The Atomic Habit, because I, I taught myself that the extreme ownership, I started it, I read the first chapter and I left it there because sometimes I like to, when I'm not like fully Engaged. into the book, I like to leave it for a bit and then go back to it. Yeah. And it's like standing there on my nightstand, but now I have another book, The Atomic mm-hmm. Habit. And I read like 40 pages of it. And I read the first chapter, which is wise, the, it's a book about habits. And this guy, he suffered like a major um, injury, like they hit him with a bat uh, okay. in, in between like his eyebrows and his brain was damaged. Like he was about to die basically when yeah. he was, I don't know, 15, something like that. Yeah. Um, and afterwards he went back to baseball, but he was bad. Like he was dropped to the juniors team mm-hmm. and this was his main goal to become good at baseball. Yeah. And he said to himself, okay, I need to do something. And when he was this age, he started doing habits and building them. Yeah. How he, he went through a lot when it comes to building habits and this is why he wrote the book he said that um in order to write a book you need to live it first so he actually lived the book because he went through all these experiments yeah and he said that small improvements are very important because um if you have like one multiply by 0.99 which is a decrease it leads to uh, like 365 days it leads to you being almost close to zero yeah yeah. but one percentage uh, increase leads to you being like you know just skyrocketing yeah yeah, because it's like every time the the absolute number gets bigger with every iteration so yeah yeah Yeah. and why it hit me is because sometimes um, when I do something I might say to myself okay I do it now, but I'm not going to do it tomorrow. Let's say I'm on a diet and I eat something or I have some work to do, but I say, okay, now I'm with my brother, with his girlfriend, we're going to watch a movie. So it's fine. But he said that those small one percentage decreases every single time you do something like that, it has major impact in five years. And the thing is that today they don't matter tomorrow. They don't matter. But in the matter of like, you know, time scale, they have major impact. So this made me realize that every single time I feel like that something bad that I do is not going to have an impact on me, it it has impact. It might be small today, but what, I'm going to repeat it tomorrow next week. So eventually my improvement is so um, smaller compared to if I don't do all of these stuff. And you know, sometimes it's okay. I'm not trying to be radical and you know, avoid um, hanging out with friends. Yeah. But it's just some of those stuff that you have something to do and you have the bad thing and you're like, oh, it's one time. It doesn't have to impact. Yeah, this is exactly what uh, I, I I might have repeated, I think, for the past two podcasts that um, I, I think what makes exceptional people is... Consistency. Exactly, consistency. And when you're down, you still do the thing. Yeah. Like... It doesn't matter if you're, or you have the mechanisms to handle your mental state, your energy levels, whatever it is, and you do the thing during the bad days. That that's that's what I strongly believe in. Yesterday with the cold calls was the same. I was like, yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah I, exactly. And I yeah. didn't because I was like, I don't feel in the mood. But like, if I did in the scale of yesterday, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but in let's say I close one restaurant next week. And then I close another one because of all these calls. And in three months, we have 50 restaurants, which is the goal. Yeah. But if I don't today, I might not do it in two days. I might do, not exactly. do it tomorrow. So it's like it's 1%, but it's so, so big. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I love this point because I'm a person who loves to see this instant impact. You know this about me probably, but you know, um, I, I do something and I expect to see instant results. Same and, with me. Yeah. And I realized that with PP Network, our first company, I think this is something which pushed me at least to push even harder and to be doing those like, I don't know, after university, 12 hours, PP Network straight, yeah. like I wake up 6 a.m. to do something. Yeah. It's because we were seeing results. We had our first clients in two weeks. Yeah. And then another one came in, another one came in. And it's something that I need to change my perception of that things are not always working like that. Sometimes might do, or sometimes they might seem that they do, but the mindset of 1% decrease is very, very important. Yeah. If you remember, I had a problem with doing small, small things. So yeah. I, I think it was the same with me. I just, I wasn't doing small things because well, first of all, it was this exactly. They very often you wouldn't see from the small things, you wouldn't see that impact immediately. Yeah. And second, like I would try to like I would see them as bigger than they are, but precisely that the first reason is also something that would even if they are in fact as big as you see them, you would still do them. So um yeah, that's a very good point, I think. Yeah, I think people are programmed that we do stuff when we see meaning in them and to see meaning we need to see the results. Results. Exactly. So it's very hard to kind of learn yourself to push when you don't see immediate results. That's like the, one of the best things to teach your child is, uh, that instant gratification is not always the best thing. Yeah. Uh, it's like the, I don't know if you know, I'll just briefly mention it. There's an experiment with children and they leave a candy and they say, don't eat the candy. You're going to get more candy if you don't eat this candy now. Yeah. And, or it was just, I don't know if they told them there would be a price at the end, but it was just don't eat the candy now. Yeah. And obviously, if you eat the candy, you're going to be disappointing your parents. So it's still, there's still the incentive that comes after the Straight immediate, the immediate uh, gratif- gratification of eating the candy. And what they noticed is that the kids that eat the candy instead of waiting uh, 20 years down the line, they're all doing worse off, lower income, some of them in prison than the children that didn't eat the candy. Yeah. So this is just an example of 1.01, not eating the candy against eating the candy. Yeah, because eating the candy today doesn't have any impact. On the kid, on now, on yeah. On the kid, yeah. Apart from, you know, your parents coding you or Beating. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Did you eat the candy or? The belt. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. All yeah. right, cool. I think we can wrap it up. Cool beans. <laughs> cool beans, as Casper likes to say, but... Yeah, it feels good to be back on the podcasting. Yeah, it was a very fluid episode as well. I liked it, yeah. Yeah. And we have one mic, as you can see. Like, we see how it is going to work, but... Yeah, hopefully... We we received a lot of criticism last time. Oh, was this sound engineering? You're like, come on, man. (laughs) Cool. So, that's it. Thank you for watching. Participate in the giveaway if you want to win a book. It's literally, we're giving a book, books like this. Everyone that participates, so do participate <laughs> it's not to everyone it's like so no but this episode it was so maybe yeah. next episode yeah so Stefan and Kauyan get in touch with us and we no we'll we get in touch with you yeah, yeah. we're the ones that they initiated so we're taking extreme ownership of the situation exactly yeah. and we have the you know the responsibility to reach out to people to give them the books because you know it's it's our giveaway yeah, yeah it's our giveaway and what's the giveaway you have to leave in the comments who your role model is or somebody who you admire, admire and why it could be very brief but yeah it could be one sentence exactly 
Cool. So, yeah. Yeah, as I said, thank you for watching and see, see you in time. the next episode. Hopefully sooner than this one. Yeah, it will be. Yeah. We're taking ownership of this as well. Yeah. Thank you very much and bye-bye. Bye-bye.